For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Sean Witt entitled, Hope Floats. Thank you, Reggie. All right, teen class, you can blame my wife. Uh, she wanted you to hear this message as well as the sermon, so there may be a test. I don't know. Okay. So first of all, I want to say, so the title of my message is Hope Floats, which absolutely has nothing to do with a romantic comedy from 1998, starring Sandra Bullock and Harry Connick Jr. I just want to make sure to clarify that. And another fun fact, which only scored 27% out of 100 on the movie critic website Rotten Tomatoes. So you might want to stay away from that one. And if there's anybody here that loves that movie, sorry, it's, my message is not about that movie. My title has to do with a story I'd like to tell you here shortly, but first, what can we learn from the Bible when it talks about his creatures? Well, first of all, we can start with the smallest creature, one of them that he's created, the ant. So turn with me, please, to Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, so we can learn a bit more about how amazing this creature is. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having a guide, overseer, no guide, no overseer, no ruler, provideth for meat in the summer and gathers for food in the harvest. The ant is an amazing creature. I'm sure if we've thought about some of God's other creations, we could find lessons from many of his creatures. And another creature that I'd like to uh, talk to you about today, the main reason for my message. So I heard a story recently about a study uh, that was uh, done back in the 1950s. It was by Dr. Kurt Richard, a well-known Harvard graduate and scientist with John Hopkins University, and he did a series of um, unorthodox experiments. He placed rats in a pool of water to test how long they could tread water. On average, they'd only last about 15 minutes and then they would sink to their death. For the record, I'd like to confirm that I don't condone this type of testing. And also further want to point out that no animals were harmed in the preparation of this message as well. <laughs> I think that's important to state. But the story doesn't end there. After the first set of trials, you know, the drats had drowned. They ran more tests. And before the rats gave up on total exhaustion, this time on the second round, the researchers would actually pluck the rats out of the water before they drowned. They would hold on to them for a few minutes and just give them a good rest. But then they put them back in for a second round. Now, remember, these rats had just swam until almost completely failure where they were about ready to drown just a few short minutes ago. So how long do you think they went on the second round? Ten minutes, maybe? Five? How long do you think? Does anybody here have any idea of how long these rats would have gone on the second round after the first round of rats died after 15 minutes and then they put them back in, these new rats, and 
after exhaustion of 15 minutes. How long do you think? Does anybody have an idea of how long they think they would have went? Uh, three years is a bit extensive. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. 60 hours. 60 hours is what these rats went after they had just swam for 15 minutes and been plucked out. <laughs> you would think. So it makes me think of the Dory, the, the forgetful fish in the movie Finding Nemo. She just keeps saying, keep on swimming, just keep swimming. But in seriousness, the, stu the study, the conclusion that was drawn was the rats believed that somebody would eventually rescue them. So they pushed their little bodies as far as they could past previously what they thought was impossible before. So these rats went from 15 minutes to 60 hours that they were swimming. They were able to preserve because there was one difference. The second time around they had hope that they would be saved and which allowed them to push belong beyond what they believed their limits to be. So there is hope instilled in these rats because they kept swimming thinking, hey, we got rescued this last time, so there's a good chance we're going to get rescued again. So they just kept swimming as long as they could and pressed way past what they thought they could do. You know, these rats in this experiment, they pushed way farther than they realized that we have a much greater hope in, our, in Jesus Christ that he's going to rescue us. So I went to uh, HuffPost.com, the blog, and it's, uh, the title of this one is Hope Versus Faith, or Faith Versus Hope. And it says that faith and hope, this is a dictionary definition, faith and hope are defined in the dictionary as follows. Faith is confidence or trust in a person or thing or a belief, not based on proof, and hope is an optimistic attitude of mind based on the ex expectation of desire. Hope speaks of the future. Faith speaks of now in life. But hope speaks of the future. So we have a hope in our future. These rats had hope because they had previously endured an extreme hardship and were rescued before their demise. You know, the Bible talks about the endurance we have through our hope in Christ. So I'd like to go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has rescued us too. If we love him and the Father with all our being for what they have done for us, it will strengthen us and will produce faith in us and hope for our wonderful future that we cannot even begin to fathom what it will be like. It's going to be amazing. It's like it says, it's a dark glass darkly. It's hard to see what it's going to be like, but it's going to be nothing like we expect this life is. So now I'd like to go to Isaiah 40 verses 31. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Like the rats in this study, we may not even realize what we're capable of. Those rats didn't realize what they were capable of until they were rescued. With God's help and encouragement, we can endure anything. 
What a great promise this is that he will help us. We were never told this life would be easy, but with God's help, we can do all things with his strength, as we just read in Isaiah 40, verses 31. You know, I'm reminded of the, the wall hanging, the, the print, the, like the poem that says, it speaks of having a set of footprints where Christ is walking along beside us, and then there's only one set of footprints on it. And that's because that was God and Christ carrying us through those hard times. So he's there to help us through those hard times. You know, when you look back on a trial, when you're in the midst of it, you think, wow, this is really difficult. How am I going to do this? But as you look back, you can always see how God was helping us in the midst after the fact. You can see where he helped us through that trial. And speaking of that, I'd like to go to 1 Corinthians 10, verses 13, to talk about this a little bit more. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Notice this scripture does not promise he will take away the trial or the temptation, but he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Sometimes hope is your way out, and you may still have to go through the trial, but the hope you have can allow you to escape the mental and emotional anguish. But sometimes God intervenes in miraculous ways. I'd like to give some examples of where God has stepped in and performed miracles in extreme measures. So first of all, I'd like to talk about the parting of the Red Sea. So I'd like to go to uh, Exodus 14, verses 10 through 21. And we're going to actually start in verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Would it have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert? And this is after they've left Egypt, obviously, and they're approaching the, the Red Sea. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will see you today. You will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You will need only to be still. I love that verse where it talks about the Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, you are crying out to, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch it over the hand, your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and through his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. All night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water to the right and to their left. This example of going through the Red Sea, I feel, is more for us than it was actually for the children of Israel even at that moment to provide hope for us. That when situations come up where it seems impossible, God is always there for us to see us through. 
that we must learn from the children of Israel's shortcomings as well. That we don't have doubt, fear, or complain, but have total trust in him. So in contrast to the children of Israel's response to God's miraculous rescue, uh, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. And I'm not sure if I got that to Brian or not, but I descended it after the fact. Then, let's see, we're going to start in just before verse 10. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown in a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of the gold you have set up. So furious was the rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then your God will be able, un, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, do not need to defend ourselves. We do not need to. Before you in this matter, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and if he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What a tremendous example to highlight hope and total faith in God. Some of us may very well face circumstances like this in the future. We don't know. But we need to be praying and having the same resilience and strength in God that they had. They set the right example of uh, coming up to a situation like that where, you know, they, they could have died. But they had hope in God and that God was going to take care of them. Whether they burned up in the furnace or not, their next uh, thought in their mind would they'd be in God's kingdom. You know, the Bible says a lot about hope, and there are three specific aspects I want to bring out about where the Bible tells us to put our hope. It says to put our hope in the Lord, in his word, and in his unfailing love. Let's first look at the aspect of putting our hope in his word. So with that, we're going to go to Psalms 130, verse 5, regarding his word. Wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. We can hope in his word because it contains his promise for us. He promises that he will take care of us. In examining the aspect of putting our hope in his love, we see in Psalms thirty-three eighteen that God sees those who fear or revere him and hope in his love. So we want to 
look at the aspect of his love. So now go with me to Psalms 33, verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his unfailing love. I believe that these words are written because sometimes we need to be reminded of what is unseen. We need to be reminded of what is seen by the one who created us. Let me repeat that. I believe that these words were written because sometimes we need to be reminded of what we are seeing by the one who created us and loves us and who has redeemed us. Our hope is through Christ's unfailing love, as our hope of eternal life could only be accomplished through his sacrifice Christ made because of his love for us. That's where our hope is. So finally, and most importantly, we put our hope in the Lord himself. So there's the aspect of the Lord. So with that, let's go to Psalms 33, verse 22. And that's the third aspect. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. We trust in his word and we love, we trust in his word and in his love because we trust him. The words of the Bible make up the best love letter ever written. It's a, the Bible is the love letter to us, all the things that he, he wants to do for us and the examples. You know, the examples remind us of his love for us. So the rats trusted in the researcher to rescue them, in the example I gave you of the study. We trust in something much more trustworthy. We trust in our Redeemer, Christ, and in the nature of his character and love and promises towards us. Please turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is possible for God to lie, it is impossible for God to lie, he who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So as we walk through this world, we're becoming, it's becoming more spiritually uh, darker every day. May we be encouraged by the hope we have through Jesus Christ's word of his love, his promises, and the hope we have through him. As we find in Romans 5, verses 2 through 5, we're going to find out more about his love. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, character, and character hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given, been, has been given to us. So I'd like to close this message with a song of hope. It is called, I Have Hope by 10th Avenue North. And it is based on Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 2. But there's a couple more scriptures I'd like to go to before we play that song. Um, so I'm going to go to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 2, which the song is based on. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created Jacob, he who formed you Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Brethren, as we find also in Romans 15, 13, please turn there as well. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. As I walk this great unknown Questions come and questions go Was there purpose for the pain? Did I cry these tears in vain? I don't want to live in fear I want to trust that you are near Trust your grace can be seen in both triumph and tragedy I have this hope in the depth of my soul In the flood or the fire, you're with me and you won't let go But sometimes my faith feels thin like the night will never end Will you catch every tear Or will you just leave me here I have this hope In the depth of my
depth of my soul In the flood or the fire You are with me I have this You are with me and you won't let go.